Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Tim shares the Word of God. Our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Pastor Tim with today's message. We will start in chapter 4, verse 10, where we left off. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I ever, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul's personal references at the end of this letter definitely shows us that he was not a victim of his circumstances, but he was a complete victor over his circumstances as his thoughts were not on how difficult life was for him, but his thoughts were on other people. That's having your circumstances in the right place. Verse 11, I can accept all things. Some translations say, I've learned how to be content. Verse 13, I can do all things. In verse 18, I have all things that I need and more. Paul did not have to be pampered to be content. Now, I want to just quickly make sure that we understand the difference in contentment and complacency. Because being content is not being complacent. There is no room in the believer's life for complacency. We've got to press on. See, a complacent believer is not pressing on. He's not forgetting the past and pushing ahead. So Paul definitely was not complacent, but he had learned how to be content. Verse 11, Paul is not complacent. He wants to share and move forward. And, and it, contentment is not an escape from battle but an ability to have peace and confidence as you are in the midst of life's battles. Wherever I am, I have learned to be content. Now that word learned, a verb, means by experience. Life is supposed to teach you. 
And after you go through and go through and go through circumstances and situations in your life, you are to learn how to be content. And you come to this place in light. Contentment, when I looked that word up, it was interesting. It means contained. I looked that up and started studying, and it said it is a description of a man whose resources are within him so that he doesn't have to depend on circumstances or substitutes from without. What that word means is your emotions, your satisfaction. The word contentment, it comes from with what's in you, not what's outside of you. And because Christ lives in you, you are self-sufficient. Now, I, I'm concerned about using that word because definitely we're not self-sufficient. But when Christ lives in you, then you have all you need. Christ in you makes you self-sufficient. I read years ago, life is not a series of accidents, but life is a series of appointments. This week I was standing right there and overlooking as they came back and finished putting these chairs in. And the installer said to me, he, he called me, he says, look, before I leave, I want you to come over here and just look at this job. So I came over here and I, I was looking, I'd been over here a half a dozen times already, but before he left, I, I want you to come back over here. So I came back over and, and he said to me, he says, now, Mr. Brooks, I hope this makes you happy. And I just looked at him and I said, let me tell you something. I learned a long time ago that my happiness doesn't depend on these chairs. <laughs> and I was going to be happy today whether these chairs were in, whether they weren't in, whether they were in crooked, whether it didn't suit me at all. I made a decision this morning to be happy. And I said, I'd be in serious trouble if I was looking to these chairs for my happiness. Well, well, I, well, I, well, well, that's good. <laughs> I said it is good. It's a good place to be in life. Uh, you know, you come to a place, but people aren't there. They're looking for some chairs to make them happy. They're looking for situations or circumstances or events or things to line up just like they wanted them to, to be happy. And you got a sad life. You've got a long, sad life because I've lived long enough to know they seldom line up like you really wanted them to. Verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it's with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is letting his friends know that he's not complaining here and that happiness doesn't depend on circumstance, that his joy comes from something deeper 
than whether he's got money in his pocket or doesn't have. Whether he's got a full stomach or doesn't have, that's not where he gets his joy. Now, I, I want to just call our attention to this because I think it's a, an important point. I've learned how to be happy whether I am in lack or whether I've got plenty. Let me tell you what I have seen over the course of life. And, and we all tend to think it is the tough times in life that get you. And, and what I've seen over the course of life, it's not really the tough times that get people. In tough times, you're seeking God. I mean, you're in tough, t the tougher the times are, the more you are just falling before God. God, I got to have you. I need you. God, come to my rescue. God, help me. God, I'm depending on you. Let me tell you what gets you. It's when you got a full stomach. That's when people fumble the ball. Whenever you've got a crisis in your life, you will be praying. You will be in church. When you've got a crisis in your life, you will be reading the Bible. It's when things are going pretty good for you that you twist off. And I think it's important that we understand that because we get blindsided by good things and by good times. I mean, the police aren't after you. No one's hunting you. That's when you better watch out. That's when you better be very careful. And so when Paul said, I've learned how to be content on this side and on that side, well, you need to be careful when times are good. That's the time you can really, really mess up. Verse 13, the power of Christ within Paul. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When I read that, I immediately thought of Psalms chapter 1. The, the passage in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked nor stand around with sinners, nor join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Verse 3. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. That's exactly what Paul is saying here in verse 13. You find your strength in a root that goes way down. It's like a tree planted by the river. Man, it turns, turn up the heat. It's blistering hot, but I'm not looking for outward circumstances to make me prosper. I've got a source that you don't even see. And I'm drawing from a power. I'm drawing water from a well that you can't see up here above ground. And when you come to that place in your life, then... And only then can you live happy. Otherwise, you're happy for a few minutes, and then something happens you don't like, you're down the bottom. Something happens you like, you're up for a few minutes, and then something happens you don't like. And your life is lived on a roller coaster. But you can live happy, verse 13, when you are in getting your power from Christ who lives in you. You're like that tree with a root that goes down into the river. Where is your source? Where is your source in life? Verse 14 through verse 17. Well, let's look at this. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. 
As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. We tend to think that when we give money in the ministry, when you put money in the offering plate, well, that money is going to the church, or that money's going to the pastor, that money's going to the preacher, that money's going to the building. Here's what you need to understand, and Paul explains this in verse 17. It's for your benefit. It is for your benefit. It's been, I guess, 42 or 3 years ago in my life. I got a revelation of tithing, of paying my tithes and giving an offering. And I have never, in over 40 years, I have never, ever made a dime that I robbed God. I've never robbed the Lord in our business and in what we do. And I have greatly benefited from that. I've greatly benefited from that. I've talked to people over the years who gave money to a ministry, and then that ministry got busted, and they found out that they'd taken the money, and they'd done all kind of horrible things with the money. And, boy, there was just such a gut wrench inside. I can't believe what they did with my money. Hold on. You got the wrong concept of giving. You've got the wrong concept of giving. When I give money to the ministry, I am giving my money into the hand of God. And, and if they air condition their doghouse with it, if they buy them a brand new Cadillac, with, they will answer to God for that part. My blessings don't depend on what somebody in the ministry does with the money that I gave. And you got to get a revelation of that. My blessings in life are a result of my giving in life. Now, they will stand before God and give an account of whatever mismanagement that they've done. When I'll send money off to the mission field, now they steal my money and do whatever it is they did with it, has no bearing on me whatsoever. Look what he says here. I... I want you to receive the reward. And you got to understand tithing and paying your tithes and giving your offering opens the windows of heaven where you're concerned. It rebukes the devourer where you're concerned. And nowhere in the Bible will you read what your money went to determines any benefit that you got or didn't get. So understand the concept here of, of giving. Verse 18, verse 18, at the moment I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Gift is a spiritual sacrifice here. Paul doesn't just see this gift as simply coming from these people. He sees it as a supply from heaven. Now look what he said. God, has, God is meeting my need. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And, and, 
and Paul really gives us an insight into living for us. We don't look to people to meet our needs. God met Paul's needs. He's thanking these people for being used and saying they will give, get a blessing for that. But if they didn't give any money, God was still going to meet Paul's needs. And when you come to a place in your life where you stop looking to your job, stop looking to your paycheck, stop looking to people to meet your needs, it brings a joy and it brings a freedom to you in life that you can't achieve any other way. See, I am serving God. And God is meeting my financial needs. I was talking to a guy just the other day in Texas, and he was bemoaning the cattle prices. And oh my, Tim, you know, these cattle prices, they're, boy, they're really, really down. How has this affected you? I said, it hadn't affected me at all. And, and, well, I mean, they're really, really down. Uh, and I, and I, 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 I just begin to think, God meets my needs. And when the cattle prices are really up, I'm blessed. When the bottom falls out of the cattle prices, God brings money through my real estate business. When the bottom falls out of the real estate business, I sell a horse for a bunch of money. See, God meets my need. And, and I don't look to this business to meet my needs. It's amazing. Boy, I'm just not selling any property. I'm not selling any property. I'm not selling any property. And one of my horses sells for 10 times what he should have ever brought. Well, see, God meets your needs. And you don't look, you, you do what you do because God's called you to do that. And you minister to people through what you do. If you're an accountant, if you're a doctor, if you, I mean, whatever it is that you do, if you are a carpenter, if you're a plumber, I'm ministering to people's needs because that's the giftings that I have. And then God brings money to me as, a, as an avenue. And when that avenue dries up, I don't panic because there will be another avenue. God's going to meet my need. Paul I, man, I appreciate you guys. I'm praying God's blessings on you. But the truth is, God's going to meet my needs. I got all I need. I got all that I need. And we've got to get this. Verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The same God. Understand God is no respecter of people. And, and the same God that blesses this guy will bless you. Well, I wish I was as lucky as him. If you would live obedient to the Lord... If you would, do, are, are you understanding this? God doesn't like this person. Not, when you line yourself up with the Lord, and, and that's why, I think that's why when he says don't, one of the commandments is thou shalt not covet. I don't have to covet what you have. I've got to let what you have build faith in my heart for what God can do in my life. I see what God has done in your life, so I know that same God can do it in my life. Look what he says. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs, now get this, from his riches. From his, see, God's 
God's resources are not tied to you. God will meet your need out of his resources, not out of your resources. Man, what? just so many lessons here for us to see on how we are to think about the way God moves. Now, let, let's recap these four chapters without going back and reteaching all of them. Paul, in spite of danger, in spite of the lies in spite of the persecution, in spite of the extreme personal discomfort, in spite of facing death, Paul is overflowing with joy. What's his secret? What is Paul? How do you live in joy in the midst of your very difficult personal situation? And we all have a difficult personal situation. How do you live Enjoy in the midst of difficult situations. That's what these four chapters in Philippians have been about. And these four chapters clearly shows us, as we look at Paul and look at the situation he's in as he's writing this to the church at Philippi, Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh, so is he. So is he. We've got to control our thinking. We have got to control what we allow to run through our mind. Now, we have seen four things that will rob our joy. First one, circumstances. The first one we talked about, circumstances will take your joy away. You planned an outdoor picnic and it's going to rain. I mean, the weather is a circumstance. Traffic, a situation you find yourself in. Canceled appointments. I mean, and the list goes on about circumstances in life that are not what you wanted. You come to a place in life where you're not looking for circumstances to make you happy. See, you don't get up in the morning, get dressed, and go out here and start looking for your day to line up exactly like you want it to, to see if you're going to be happy. You get up in the morning, you think, I'm alive. It's another great day. I'm gonna enjoy my day. I'm gonna enjoy the people I'm around. I'm enjoying my life. I'm gonna enjoy what I do. I'm gonna be very productive today. I'm gonna to get a lot done. This is going to be a good day. Now, this happens. It's not really what you wanted to have happen. You just work through that. This happens, and it's not what you wanted to have happen. You work through that, but you work through it from a position of joy. You're not looking to see if I'm going to be. Boy, it's going to be a good day. Well, how do you know that? I don't get into my day to see if it's going to be a good day. You decide it's going to be a good day. Circumstances. You don't look for circumstances to make you happy. Number two, we talked about people. What they say what they do, how they act. You know, the, probably the truth is you are the only person who's never made anybody else unhappy. You, you learn to live in joy in the midst of being around dumb people. You learn to be happy 
in the midst of being around a bunch of people that act stupid. See, you don't look to people to make you happy. When you quit looking for people to make you happy, then you understand people can't make you unhappy. You guys that live in Teen Challenge, particularly challenging for you because you live in a dorm, you live close together. All of you guys in the intern program, challenging for you. You live in a dorm, you live close to people, you share a kitchen with people, you share bathrooms and showers with people. I mean, you share a hall with people. So the closer you are to people, the more opportunity there is for people to rub you the wrong way. And you come to a place in your thinking where you refuse to let that happen. It does not happen. I am happy because I decided to be happy. Stop looking for your roommate to make you happy. Stop looking for the other guys up and down the hall to make you happy. Stop looking for the administration to do everything that just suits you. You decide to be full of joy and stop looking for people to make you happy. Stop looking for situations during the day. Stop looking for people to make you happy. Number three, things. Just things. Your car, your clothes, your shoes. I mean, the light. The grill across the bottom of the refrigerator that won't stay up there. <laughs> clicking, clicking. I start shaking on the inside. I want to kick this thing. Don't look. You know what gets you? It's when it's not raining quite hard enough to use the windshield wipers, but you have to use them. Oh, and you turn them off. Then it gets too much. I can't see them. Turn. It's just, oh. How many people's whole day is wrecked? Because windshield wiper blade. I mean, you could be outside walking. I mean, you come to a place in your maturity where things don't just wipe you out. Where things don't, don't let some silly thing, it's just a thing. It's just, a, it's just, it's just the deal. It just is what it is. And the squeak in your car or the rattle in your trunk or the knocking in this or the door that won't shut or the door knob. The back door of my house. And, and I shut it. I hate slamming the doors. I hate slamming the doors. So I overcompensate and I don't push it hard enough because my grandkids irritate me by slamming until the glass breaks out of it. So I just push it and then it comes back open. I push it and it comes back open. So I try to kick the thing closed. Bam! And my inside's just doing like that. I just let the darn door just rob me of any kind of joy and happiness and peace. And that back door just about got, because I shut it three times today. That third time I kicked that thing, it almost rattled the side of the house out. Close. Watch out for things. Don't let things get you. And the fourth one. When you don't trust God, you worry. 
Now, when you're worrying, that needs to be a sign. You know, whenever you run fever, what is that? Fever is a sign that you have infection somewhere. See, fe- fever is, is not the problem. That is a sign that you have infection somewhere. When you're worrying and when you are jerked up and you are worried, that is a sign that your trust is not in the Lord. And you need to be aware of that. When you are worried about your finances, then you're not trusting God. When you're worried about a relationship, then you're not trusting God. When you're worried about your kids, then you're not trusting God. When, you're, when you are worried about a situation, that is a sign that you have not turned that situation over to trust God in. Now, it's just a telltale sign. You, and you need to know that. Whenever you start feeling worried, that is a flag. Ooh, God, I'm trusting you with that. I'm putting that in your hands. I'm turning that over to you. Now, I don't want to re-preach all of our messages, but in chapter 1, circumstances. says, you overcome that with a single mind. Get your mind on the Lord, keep your mind on the Lord, and you overcome circumstances in your life. Chapter 2, people. Live your life, we talked about, with a submitted mind. You're submitted to people. See, people can't get you when you live to see them do good. When you're living to see other people do good, then they can't get to you. Chapter 3, things don't get you when you have a spiritual mind. The reason things get us is we don't have a spiritual mind. We got a mind on material things. Use things. Don't let things use you. Use things, but don't have things. Have a lot of things, but don't let things have you. You be in control of your things. Don't let your things be in control of you. Sure, I, I don't want something to happen to my house, but I'm not going to live tormented my whole life about something happening to my house. I don't want something to happen to my car. But I'm not going to live tormented about something happening to my car. See, I want to have things, but I don't want to let things have me. Chapter 4. When you have a secure mind, then you don't worry. You're secure in who you are in God. You are secure in who God is in you. You are secure in His provisions for you. You are secure in the fact that he is your source in life. And when you are secure in him, it takes the worry out. As we wrap this up, I would, and I I wrote this down. I, I wanted to say, did you get something out of this series? And because I've worked so hard teaching this, I wanted you to say, amen, and boy, I did, and have a big hand clap because, boy, I really got something out of this series. But that would be an unfair question. So there's no way for me to say, did you get something out of this series? We will find out when circumstances happen tomorrow that's not according to your liking if you got something out of this series. Hold oh, you get something out of this series? Woo, it wasn't good. Well, well, we'll see when tomorrow somebody crosses you. 
when a person irritates you, when a person rubs like sandpaper against you, and I see your reaction, then we'll know if you got something out of this. Did, did, boy, did you get something out of this? Well, we won't know until one of your things breaks. See, then we will know if you got something out of this or not. Well, boy, this has been a great series. We've been in it all fall. Did, did you get something out of this? Well, we won't know until worry hits you. Do you roll that off and trust God? Or do you wallow in worry and wallow in worry and let worry build in your mind? Y'all stand with me. <clears throat> Let's um, say this with me. Lord, I purpose in my heart to live with a single mind over my circumstances. To live with a submissive mind to other people. To live with a spiritual mind over things. To live with a secure mind over things that I would worry about. Lord, I trust you. Tonight, Lord, I trust you. I'm not a hearer only, but I'm a doer of your word. Father, tonight, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take all that we have talked about in these last couple of months. And Lord, as the situations and circumstances, as people, as things happen during the day, Help this not just be another Wednesday night church service, but help this series be a life-changing way in the way we think, the way we handle ourselves, and the way we process life. Lord, tonight we roll the cares and the worries of this world off on you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store. 